this is Control Structure, episode 98 for December 23rd, 2015. Big week to everyone listening. This show has notes. You can see them by going to thenexus.tv slash cs98 to see them. I'm your host, Stephen Orvis, and with me is the other host, Andrew Bailey. Hi, Steve. Hi, Andrew. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> yes, so, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, let's see, I don't think penultimate or one of the varieties of that will uh, work for now, but yeah, it is like a few days until Mix. Like a couple of days, yep. Yeah. So, um, uh... I guess you're going to go home to your family like you always do, and you're always there? <laughs> yes, I'm going to go home to my family like I always do and always be there. <laughs> like I always am. This time I get, I'm get i going for three weeks, actually, because apparently so many people in the office have it off and so much holiday time. They're just like, we actually don't have two sprints worth of time in here, so we're going to make it three weeks sprint and give us enough time, hopefully, to well, maybe get some really important or stuff done. maybe not time, but... Um, Man. Uh, yes, like workable people hours or something. People hours, yes. They so, have lots of vacation. Yes. So, you uh, mentioning that, we were just talking in the fringe about the uh, construction going on in the parkway. Uh, like, they opened up the uh, exit to uh, Carnegie, which means that I can actually take the fast way to work now. So, like, I'm not sure if it's because people are just taking a whole bunch of time off that I can actually get to work in 20 minutes now. Very nice. And I've been doing that for, like, a little over two weeks now. So, um, yeah, but I still take the uh, back way home. Because, like, I don't exactly trust the uh, Parkway West going west from there <laughs> to, like, actually be not clogged in the evening. And even if it's about the same time, sometimes just going a back way with less cars, this is a lot more freeing on your mind opposed to the normal way with lots of cars. Yes. So, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so, uh, as mentioned last time or recently, I got my grill. So, um, yeah, it is sitting on my pastor's porch in a few boxes. So at some point I'm going to have to, uh, you know, level up my cooking skills and actually go over there, put it together, and use it. So do you have a first meal planned? Uh, not yet, because right now I have another meal planned. It is the uh, company uh, lunch scheduled for uh, Crixmix Eve. So, uh... Uh, like I'm, I signed myself up to do a tater tot casserole. There you go. So, as mentioned, to take advantage of the gratuitous amount of uh, tater tots sitting in my freezer, which you do, <laughs> which I have a witness to verify. Yes, verified and approved. So, uh, yesterday I was going around, uh, you know, like trying to find a recipe for this, you know, because I have a general idea of what's needed, but like not actual solid numbers. So I uh, finally, you know, I was looking around and, like, I don't really want to, like, put meat in it. You know, at least not, like, the first time around. Um, but, uh, like, I, you know, generally, you know, like, you get some kind of cream soup, tater tots, of course, cheese. Uh, and uh, apparently there's a few recipes that include sour cream. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, uh, that doesn't seem too bad. Like, Mix it all up, put in a in like a dish or something, and then put it in the oven for about two hours on like three fifty or something. 
And then, like, I get thinking there, and it's like, you know what goes with sour cream? Sriracha. So that's going to be, that's going to have a little bit of a kick to it. So, and, uh, like, one of the graphic designers at work, like, whenever we go to the subway, he always, always gets the sriracha chicken. It sounds like you have at least one eater then from the casserole. So, like, seriously, that's what he always gets. <laughs> and he's been getting it nonstop for, like, probably a year or so or whenever they first introduced it. Oh, wow. It. <laughs> and, like, even when they discontinued it, the uh, Mr. Subway there, he bought, like, the rest of the stock from the wholesaler or something. Wow, just to keep this guy happy. Yes. That sounds like the that owner of the subway kind of cares a lot about the regular clients. Just yeah. Just what you were saying like, pre-show about the surveys and such. Yeah. Um, at some point, he overheard, like, Steve say, like, addressed me as Andrew. So, like, he knew my name. And then at some point, I noticed that he only addressed me by my name. And I asked him, do you know any of my other, you know, friends' names? And apparently he didn't. <laughs> So, <laughs> but uh yeah so yeah i'm going to be making a sriracha based tater tot casserole there you go sounds good yes um let's see what else has been happening um so yeah meanwhile i've been you know still wandering the wasteland in fallout 4 so it has you know pretty much met my expectations of just being a huge wasteland of surprisingly a lot of things to do um they've seemed to have combined uh sim city with um oh like i was gonna say minecraft but like it's you know you come to a place and sometimes you can build things there to like attract people and like make the world a better place so it's more than just a shooting game for some reason i've always been thinking it's just like a go around and shoot people yeah, and you can totally play it like that. Um, so you you can come to a few places, and you you can attract people there, and you actually have to build a town. I see. Like from like pieces of wood and steel and stuff. Um, so that's kind of interesting. So like you know, there's plenty of plenty of weird non shooty things to do. So uh, yeah, uh, I, in fact, I've been so engrossed in this that uh, Star Citizen 2.0 Alpha has come out. Uh, I believe it was, like, a week and a half ago. And, uh, like, they, they... I remember, I think it was, like, on one of their live streams that, uh, you know, like, the chairman himself actually came onto the set and was, like, standing around. And he's like, um, yeah, breaking news, we're releasing 2.0 Alpha tonight to, like, the whole universe. You know, like, actually pushing it to, like, the proper live servers instead of like their testing uh servers that they uh were uh, had it on but uh yeah this is great uh i still haven't played it yet but i've heard that you know it's actually like you spawn on a space station and you can like go over to the other side of this gas giant and like there's like some other things that you can actually fly to and you're not limited to like a space hangar, or you're not just limited to like like a city block or something. So the first one was it much more limited where you could go and uh, what you could do then. Yes. So uh, you know this is what has been promised. We well, may not promise, but has been alluded to uh, for I don't know like seven months or so. 
because like the FPS module was uh, supposed to come out, I don't know, around May or June or so. This is that. Okay. And it has a whole bunch of other stuff in with it, too. So, so this is a person be, being able to walk around, see things, interact with the environment, and shoot people. And fly ships. And fly ships. Like very kind of long distances. It seems very Star Trek-y-ish-y. Yes. So, uh, uh, anyways, uh, even, you know, as I said, you know, even though it's been out for a while, still haven't gotten to it yet. But, you know, when I finally finished Fallout and come out of my vault, I will take this for a spin, but I will avoid Chiron Beta Prime. This year has been a little crazy for the Andersons. You may recall we had some trouble last year. The robot council had us banished to an asteroid that hasn't undermined our holiday cheer. And we know it's almost Christmas by the marks we make on the wall. That's our favorite time of year. Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime, where we're working in a mine for our robot overlords. Did I say overlords? I meant protectors. Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime. On every corner there's a giant metal Santa Claus Who watches over us with glowing red eyes They carry weapons and they know if you've been bad or good Not everybody's good but everyone tries And the rocks outside the airlock Exude ammonia-scented snow It's like a winter wonderland Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine for our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors Merry Christmas Chiron Beta Prime Reducted. Now it's time for Christmas dinner. I think the robot sent us a pie. You know I love my soil and green. Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime. Where we're working in a mine for our robot overlords. Did I say overlords? I meant protectors. Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime. Raspberry. 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 So, uh, what's new with Raspberry? So, uh, apparently this uh, guy, uh, Jeff Gerling, he did a test on uh, SD cards for your Raspberry Pi to see what was best. He did uh, some buffered, uh, I assume it would be writes with the HD param command. He did some writes with the DD command. He did some reads and uh, 4K random reads. He did some 4K so, random writes. No, in other words, uh, put it through its paces. Yep. And apparently the OWC Envoy SSD gives you the f- 
fastest buffered right. Uh, let's see if we're reading the 34. I think he said that the Samsung Evolve 32 gigabyte uh, was one of the better ones as yeah. far as performance, though. And I think I've seen that. Like, like he said, he's on, been on salary recently. I think I may even have one of those someplace. Yeah, the uh, Samsung Evo series, like pretty much like, it's like the whole brand is all around pretty good, especially for like uh, desktop grade SSDs. I like how he went through and uh, used like real Linux commands to do it. Like the DD is like a literal command to yes. write things. So you Disk actually... Destroyer. Yes. That's an command. Anyways, uh, instead of like running some benchmarking program that's just writing fake stuff, he used a literal program that is writing real data in real life. So you're taking the operating system and everything to affect that account at that point in time. Indeed. So uh, how many things has Google actually shut down? Like countless stuff, right? I would say it is very countless. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, this guy has actually, you know, gone and made a list of all of these, you know, things that Google has done at some point or another and actually has categorized them as... You know, like, still going good. Uh, maybe this won't last, and this is, like, absolutely dead. Uh, categorized by general uh, popularity, or at least, uh, I don't, well, maybe not notoriety, but, you know, at least uh, names that are, you know, constantly out there. Mm -hmm. You know, like Gmail, of course, and Search. And then, like, other things that uh, you might have heard of and things that you probably haven't ever heard of. The thing I was missing from this, I, it's not a complete list, though, because, like, some things, like, say, for instance, Google Labs, that was a favorite of mine, that's gone. It's, yeah. It's not in the list. Which, but then there's a lot of things I've never even heard of in this list, uh, like... Dodgeball. Oh, Dodgeball, yeah, that was one. And uh, Currents, you knew that what that was. It's actually, like, a social magazine thing, or Sparrow, it's like... Well, it kind of sounded like it was, current like, news. Events, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does have that sound to it. Um, like the thing that surprised me most is he classifies Gmail as uh, dying. I guess his rationale behind that was the new inbox app that Google has. Uh, I, my concern with that is the inbox app is still very much in beta. I use it on my phone and I like it on my phone, but there's some quirks with it, uh, some bugs that they need to work through. It doesn't make it unusable, but it makes it annoying. I uh, mean, this this sort of implies that the web app Gmail is you know dying yeah okay so from the web perspective to me i really really don't want it to die because i yeah. think it's superior to the inbox i've used the inbox online and it's confusing and cluttered and hard to understand on the phone it's awesome but online is just doesn't cut it for me and this might even imply that you know gmail as a service as a whole is going away like soon you won't be able to email someone at gmail.com that would be very weird. Yes. And that would make a lot of people angry and would probably make a lot of people hate Google. See, I would say, like, next to their search, I, mean, I don't know the statistics, but Gmail has to be one of the biggest things that Google is used for. Like? Beyond search. Probably the third most used Google product. What would you say the second one would be? Android. Android. Okay, I wasn't thinking operating system. I would agree with you well, there. Android is very prevalent. Uh, m maybe search. It's kind of hard to gauge whether you know 
Google Search is like the bigger product than Android at this point? I mean, I would say that many people use Google, even many users of iPhones and Apple products uh, use Google for searching. Oh, I would want to guess that it's probably better. And does say that that's what seventy percent of the revenue. It says they're uh, a listing on it uh, under the search one. Yeah, seventy percent of the revenue comes from the search alone. So that at least means quite a bit of people are searching so, ads. So yeah, that that probably means that it's their biggest product. That's what I've always heard is this kind of their flagship bread and butter. Yeah, which is kind of ironic. It's such a simple thing, such a simple concept, and they have all these other services that are money pits, and they. Not an issue for them because the whole world is clicking them. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard it described as Google has a wall and money just pours out of it. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> it just comes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's sort of this kind of reminded me of an XKCD. And, you know, it's uh, number 1361. Uh, the one where, you know, the uh, stick figure says, the rumors are true, Google will be shutting down Plus, along with Hangouts, Photos, Voice, Docs, Drives, Maps, Gmail, Chrome, Android, and Search, to focus on a core part product, the 8.8.8.8 DNS server. <laughs> uh, because the less popular 8.8.4.4 is slated for discontinuation. <laughs> That's great. Which actually made such a splash that uh, Google actually made a reference to this comic in the DNS uh, server. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so, like, I actually had to uh, look around quite a bit for this because, like, the top result for, like, any relevant search term for this would return the comic and things actually directly related to the yes. comic and not the actual reference that you know, in, in the DNS response. So I'm trying to understand, this is like a help page on their DNS? No, this is like the actual protocol response. So it says question section, and it's something in, and then the answer, it's giving out the, K- the XKCD comment, comic at some point in time? Yeah. I'm trying to understand what... Yeah, in TXT, and then hmm. gives the uh, URL. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so speaking about... Uh, Google and things that they have. Well, there's math.random, and then there's math.random. And in case if you're scratching your head wondering, what are you talking about? Um, these are actually different implementations of the JavaScript math.random. So it seems that, uh, uh, like, uh, I think it was Firefox, they said, had actually yes. moved to this more improved algorithm that... Uh, like the ones that they were using before kind of had distinctive patterns, uh, things that make it not random. And they have a... Or, or maybe maybe not, not random, but less random than what it could be. Slightly predictable random. So, uh, you know, as, as demonstrated by the images of noise generated by these. Um, so, like, uh, reading the code of the uh, current implementation... Uh, the MWC1616. Uh, like, I'm looking in the code here, and I see, uh, like, on the uh, fourth and fifth lines, there is state 0 ampersand 0xffff. And I'm thinking, why would you not just say state 0 there? Like, that kind of makes no sense, because, like, all those Fs is, you know, just ones. And then I realized that those four Fs mean 16 bits, 
and state 0 is a 32-bit variable. So with that, you're keeping the lower 16 bits of that variable there. And then, like, you're doing a whole bunch of other bit shifting and such operations that, you know, make, you know, things kind of fast. My favorite uh, part of this was at the bottom of the article in the comments section, the creator of the XOR shift yeah. algorithm. Yeah, comments. the XOR shift uh, 128 plus is the uh, one that they're moving to that is the better one. He he talks about his algorithm down there, and he's, like, so proud of it. And then he goes on ranting about... Uh, all the places that the implementer messed up and how technically if you use like the lower bits, it'd be just a little bit better, but it's kind of OCD of me, but sorry, it is a little bit better. <laughs> but I thought those are pretty, pretty funny. So I was thinking, uh, I wonder how you make the random noise map. Uh, if you have like your random array of bytes, how do you make a map like that? <sighs> if you just turn on black bits, white bits for ones and well, zeros? It- it looks like it's one, maybe one dimensional or something, or maybe like two dimensional. Uh, like how, I'm not exactly sure how they would uh, like display a random number generator as a two dimensional output. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It actually randomly, uh, interestingly, back in college, I was wanted to learn C++ and I started playing with uh, trying to make a random number generator. I don't think it was very good. I kind of had my own custom higher level algorithm that didn't deal with bits that was probably terribly inefficient, but uh, that was something I was playing with. Yeah, so ideally you want a random number generator to use as little memory as possible for the initial state and presumably the uh, you know in-between states. Uh, be quick to perform, have a large period length, and offer a high quality distribution. So... Yeah, with the uh, creator, you know, sort of, you know, ranting a little bit on it. Well, who knows? Google might have, like, extensively tested and optimized this, so that's why it's different from what you originally had. Oh, you're saying about the the different algorithm versus what the creator had? Yeah. But hey, speaking about Firefox, version 43 was released uh, pretty recently, like last week or so, and... Uh, there's, uh, you know, as general with, you know, regular feature improvements and such, the big one is that there is finally a 64-bit official Firefox install. So, you know, now we can go way past, like, the 2 to 4 gigabytes of memory that, you know, 32-bit processes impose, and finally, you know, address large chunks of memory on Windows. The question is, do you really need 300 tabs open? <laughs> Yes. Of course. (laughs) So I I saw an article once, Microsoft, about uh, why Visual Studio is still 32-bit. And they they go on for all these reasons. What it boils down to, they're like, you know, if we went 64-bit, they'd just open it up so that people could write bigger extensions and, like, be do improper... More wasteful stuff. Yeah, more wasteful. It's like, it's better (laughs) (laughs) 32-bit. In the meantime, we have all these issues with... Developing 32-bit applications with a 30, 60, developing 64-bit applications with a 32-bit application. Yeah, it somehow works. Somehow, but uh, you know, hey, uh, you said you just uh, reinstalled Ubuntu on this laptop. I did just reinstall Ubuntu on this laptop. So no doubt you used the 64-bit edition. 
I'm pretty sure I did, but on the other hand, I didn't re remember installing it until very recently when I turned it on, and I was like, oh, this is uh, a fresh install, and apparently I did use a 64-bit bit version. So, you know, Linux has had 64-bit Firefox since pretty much both of them were conceived, or possibly, you know, could possibly run together, I guess. So I wonder what the, the challenges with the Windows 64-bit build was. Um, I think they really wanted to test out, like, every extension. Okay, that makes sense. And also uh, plugins. So, like, with the 64-bit stuff, like, the only plugin that you can use with 64-bit Firefox is Flash. Okay, so that would uh, severely, severely limit you. Uh, one other thought that popped in my mind when we were talking about that was maybe the developers use Ubuntu and not Windows. <laughs> Might be a little bit of a biased priority difference. When you're working for free, hey, can't fault anybody for preferring their own operating system. Yeah, um, and then uh, to actually get this, uh, you actually have to go out and get the 64-bit installer, like, you actually have to do that. It will not automatically update to 64-bit. You actually have to go out and actually get the installer. So I wonder if it's, while well, it's out, if it's not exactly totally out yet, that they don't wouldn't upgrade you. I mean, it doesn't make sense, though, too, because typically 32 doesn't update itself to 64, I guess. Yeah. So, like, maybe, uh, like, when people go to download Firefox now... Like, on Mozilla.org, they'll probably realize, oh, this is uh, running on a 64-bit operating system, so give them the 64-bit Firefox install. Yes. So I've read most of your speed gains with 64. They're there, but they're more theoretical, whereas your memory, obviously, is What's that? real. The speed gains, people talk about the speed, but it's more theoretical, so there well, may not even actually, be a huge... Actually, there is some truth to that, because... Uh, at least on x86, when you go to 64-bit, you get, uh, like, uh, you double the number of integer registers, and they're uh, extended out to 64-bit. So instead of having, uh, I think it was, like, eight 32-bit registers, you now have 16 64-bit registers. You have more just places to stick stuff in. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and also, I believe the... Uh, SIMD registers are also extended out and doubled as well. So, yeah, you can, like, work with a lot more numbers at once in 64-bit than you can at 32. Assuming they're using them. That's going to be the, yes. what it comes down to. Of course, you know, over time, compilers get optimized and uh, whatnot to realize that, oh, this weird mangled code that you wrote in C, this can be... Uh, used with uh, SSC2 and get massive gains. <laughs> so, so speaking about Ubuntu and whatnot, um, the uh, next version, uh, 16.04, uh, I'm not sure what uh, animal it's going to be called. Uh, you know, usually I just say Ubuntu Vulgar Vulture or something. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, 16.04 uh, will be the next long-term release, uh, at least long-term support release, that is. And uh, there's this little thing in Ubuntu called the Unity Dash uh, that, by default, whatever you punch into it will search not only your local machine, but also search, uh, I think it's Amazon 
I think it searches Amazon too, which that's kind of always annoyed me and made me wonder if Amazon paid them off or something too. And I don't know, it's, you, you were looking for a file on your machine or something and you type stuff in and it's giving you, you like results on the internet. And it's like, I typed in stuff looking for my stuff and I really didn't want internet Top stuff. secret project dot doc. <laughs> I said, really? I didn't want a government file. <laughs> I, th- um, I think to me, it's like if I want to use the internet, I'll just open up Firefox and use the internet. Yes. Because it's going to open up Firefox anyways when I click the link, so there isn't too much of a difference. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that will be off by default in the uh, next release. Um, so, yeah. Uh, are you just disabling it right now? I was looking to see where it was at, since apparently you can disable it. Uh, I remember once upon a time, there's this menu you can get into that's kind of like a registry in Ubuntu. It's been such a long time. Uh, there, This is a crap I have against Ubuntu. There's system settings control. is nice for if you, there's what you want to do is there, but it's really bad if there's something you want to do that's not in there, and yeah. it's too simple. Yeah. There is someplace a really awesome menu that shows you like all these settings. I can change, like say, you know, the left-handed click uh-huh. X and minus, I can change it over the right-hand side. There's, like, all kinds of things you can do in that menu. I just don't remember what it's called. Well, maybe you should use the Unity uh, dash to uh, search for the setting that tells you how to turn it to off. Turn <laughs> off Unity dash. Online search. Online search. And... It has opened, opened Firefox, Firefox <laughs> and done nothing else. <laughs> so apparently it doesn't even work. <laughs> okay, maybe you have to copy and paste that into Google. Maybe. <laughs> Actually, it could have... Wait, did this, this version of Ubuntu come out yet, or this is a future plan release? The next plan okay, release. Okay, the next plan. Because I was curious, because I did just download this one like the other day. So apparently there are answers on askubuntu.com. Yes, and, and if I remember, I think you uninstall a package. You see what the answer is. There you go. Uh, command, you do that fancy command. You command globally, log in, bash settings, you save it. Hey, go ahead and put that into the, uh, whatchamacallit, show notes. Sure. <laughs> uh, show notes. We yeah, will put click. it right underneath the Ubuntu place. Yes. There you go. That would be uh, a very sensible thing. For yes. If you recall, I work in e-commerce. So this involves people punching credit cards into web pages and like processing credit cards and like taking money off of them. Well, with that comes a whole slew of PCI compliance standards. And you might ask, PCI, well, why does like... Uh, expansion slots have anything to do with uh, punching credit cards into websites? Well, it doesn't. Uh, let's see. I, the PCI stands for uh, like professional card industry or something. If this is, I think right there it says the payment card industry security. Yes. So I think it's payment card industry. Yes, that's what it is. Your, yours is closer than my guess would have been. I was just, I was reading it. <laughs> it, it, it does not mean peripheral component interconnect. So, uh, uh, there's a, I wouldn't want to say maybe onerous, but uh, sort of concerning uh, thing in here about disabling TLS 1.0 uh, for web servers and like the whole, uh, you know, financial ecosystem 
uh, for PCI 3.1. So, uh, or as the uh, PCI calls it, early TLS, which is very nebulous. <laughs> I mean, like, there's version numbers on these. Use them. Yes, this is true. Um, so, as as of, like, Jan- uh, June or January 1st of next year, uh, yeah, um... Let's see. Yeah, it only gives it gives the new dates, but uh, yeah, probably as of thirty the thirtieth of June twenty sixteen, uh, everyone was supposed to turn off uh, TLS one point uh, in order to be PCI compliant or at least have it off by then. Uh, well, apparently they've pushed that date way back. They, it is now June thirtieth twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. That is way way back. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly why they did this, because even as of June 30th, you know, like 2016, uh, by that point, like, you know, all the currently supported browsers, at least major browsers, uh, will support TLS 1.1 and 1.2, which is what they want people to actually use nowadays. So... Uh, if you recall, it'll be like sometime in January that Microsoft will suddenly stop supporting versions of IE that are not the latest for that operating system. So if so that means the older, you don't have to really support the older versions anymore yeah, at all. Right. So you only have to support the latest version of Internet Explorer on that operating system. So, for instance, uh, Windows 7 shipped with IE 8. As of right now... IE8 on Windows 7 is supported, even though you can get IE11 on uh, Windows 7. Uh, so as of, like, February, you, like, only Internet Explorer 11 will be supported on Windows 7. I wonder if they're going to patch upgrade everyone automatically when they do that. I'm just thinking all the people that are on older versions that should upgrade... Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, Microsoft through Windows Update, like, really pushes, like, new Internet Explorer versions pretty hard. So, you know, these are people who have, for some reason, chosen not to, or Grandma doesn't notice the update icon in the taskbar. I've never updated Windows before in your <laughs> life. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is, you know, sort of concerning for, uh, my company's clients, uh, because the one... I think it might have been like two weeks ago, ran a scan mm-hmm. and found out that, you know, their demandware uh, instance, you know, still supports TLS 1.0 and that's not like PCI compliant. And like they, I don't know, kind of got a little belligerent at my manager. Like, why does this happen? You know, you need to turn this off so we can be like completely compliant. And, uh, you know, our manager, you know, calmly referenced the demand where announcement of like deprecating all this stuff. And, you know, like, you know, please read this, you know, demand where is compliant. Um, and they have plans for this. And then like just this evening, my manager, like even during a meeting, you know, when like we weren't the ones like, you know, talking, uh, he's like, uh, you remember that TLS thing with BCI compliance? Yeah, they pushed that back. <laughs> so then I immediately searched for this article. <laughs> but uh, yeah, please update your TLS compliance to be compliant. <laughs> um, so 
Uh, speaking about security and stuff, uh, firewalls, they're, they need to be working, like, perfectly and not have any back doors in them, right? Yes. It would be, you know, pretty stupid if, you know, say, your Juniper NetScreen 5200 happened to have a back door in it. Uh, well, apparently, uh, they have issued, Juniper Networks has issued a urgent security advisory about unauthorized code found within the operating system uh, used on these uh, firewalls. Apparently, they there's a hard-coded password in there that looks an awful lot like regular code, uh, you know, to apparently fool someone doing a, uh, like, a code review. Yes. Which, you know, if I found that, you know, if I somehow found that, you know, I would be like, what are you doing? Did you, like, you know, copy some code in there for, like, to debug it or something? Uh, so... Uh, for, I think this, this was in, uh, operating system updates, uh, that were included in like 2012 and 2013, uh, for, for version 6.2.0 R15 through 6.2.0 R18 and 6.3.0 R12 to 6.3.0 R20. Um, so the fix for this is to just update your stuff. Presumably, they have updates available for this. So, was the company internally found their own uh, problem, or did some third party that was analyzing it find this issue? Um, I'm not exactly... It wasn't an internal uh, find. It was, like, somebody else. I'm not sure if this was found through some security audit that they paid for, or someone just happened to stumble across this. Uh, so, yeah, Meta... Metasploit project founder and Rapid7 researcher published an analysis of the affected versions, uh, including administrative access password that had been hard-coded into the operating system. So um, doesn't, this uh, Ars Technica article doesn't exactly specify exactly how it was found, just that it was found and you need to update your stuff right now. <laughs> so, um, you know about software patents, right? Yes. Yeah, they're kind of like the spawn of Satan. Um, so apparently this also uh, includes video game patents. Uh, so uh, that is that is not garbage collection. That is just an airplane flyover, so don't panic. It's not me. <laughs> so uh, Namco has apparently had a patent, uh, number 5,718,632, filed in 1995 and uh, actually expired uh, the late last month. Uh, let's see, this patent is on auxiliary games that play while the main game loads. So this is essentially a patent that covers any kind of mini-game that might appear while the big game loads in the background. And so this is why we've seen a loading screen for all of our, our lives in while the game loads. Yes. Mm. So... I've this this could be you know kind of in, this could be kind of an interesting mechanic if you know done well, but since someone else has had the patent on it, you can't really do that. Um, so now that it's been up for about a month, we might be able to see this coming. So, uh, but at least probably not on PC at least uh, because we have things called solid state drives, <laughs> and uh, you know as of you know the last maybe. Some of the last console generation, or, or no, sorry, the current generation, 
the ones that were released in like 2006 or so, because the next gen consoles came out like two years ago. The current gen consoles uh, often have hard drives in them, so that's a lot faster than reading off of an optical disc. So, uh, uh, you know, and even then, like, you know, apparently consoles now have hard drives on them, so, you know, loads can be, you know, pretty short, at least compared to what they were. So I'm not exactly sure if this actually has any kind of value to it. We've uh, missed the time error killed by the patent. So uh, um, maybe they could, you know, I don't know, have a card game of some sort while the game loads. <laughs> um, so at, uh, I remember playing through The Witcher 3 this year, and there was a card game in there that uh, apparently some people really liked, and they would rather play this card game in the game than the actual game itself. Ha! <laughs> That's funny. And, like, someone has actually, like, printed out and, like, printed out all these cards and, like, made a really nice set that's just this card game oh, wow. from The Witcher 3. So, have you ever uh, tried to read some sort of non-text file format? Yes. I've uh, had some weird oddball file format that I've never heard of before, and then you're trying to figure out what on earth I should use to try and open this file. So, uh, there is actually a wiki that documents several uh, file formats. So, you know, these aren't your, you know, run-of-the-mill, you know, like plain text, you know, configurations or like XML files or anything like that. These are things like zip files. These are things like game save files. These are uh, like Microsoft Office formats, stuff like that. More common file formats. Yes. So I was about ready to go try. I have a, there's a fax service that I use. Well, used to use from way back when. I still have it though. And they uh, send faxes to your email. And they send it in some weird format. But if you open it up with Ike, I don't want to show their proprietary fax viewer thing because it's kind of stupid and spyware issue looking. <laughs> but if you open it up in, uh, not GIMP, uh, InfraView it or actually read the faxes, which is kind of interesting and handy and nice since I don't want to install their stupid things. So I'm curious to see if they have anything in that file. So it's a, it's a JFX, I think? JFX. There you go. JFX. We see. I'm guessing it's some fax format. Fax format. So it's a real thing. Yes. Interesting. Some unnecessarily necessary formats. Unnecessarily numerous formats. Okay, I thought I said necessary. Okay. Unnecessarily numerous. Okay. So apparently it just made the list of fax formats. Apparently it's a thing. So yeah, Urfan View is pretty cool. It loads in like an instant and apparently opens obscure fax formats. It does, and it does it beautifully. So, uh, let's appreciate a few things, or at least one thing. Wireshark. Ever used this before? I have used Wireshark yes. in college. And uh, for people who don't know, Wireshark is a program that listens to your uh, networking interface and records everything that comes across it, both in and out. So if you really want to know the low-level communication of whatever program you're using, uh, you... Uh, activate Wireshark and you run the program, whatever you're trying to do. So, 
uh, I actually needed to use this because I was trying to diagnose a bug, or at least trying to pick out a URL that was being opened in a new tab in Chrome. Because, like, you can open up your little uh, Chrome inspector, but it'll only work for that one tab, and it will not follow it to any new tabs that are created. Uh, so, like, I didn't exactly care for, like, installing some sort of extension or, uh, uh, or at least looking to see if, you know, you can open up the inspector automatically on new tabs when I just had Wireshark lying around. So, and I recently found out that uh, it has released version 2.0. So does it look prettier in 2.0 than it did in the older versions? Uh, yes, it, uh, it uses the QT toolkit now instead of, uh, uh, was it, the GTK2? Yes. The GTK is kind of uh, oldish looking. Yeah, but I mean... It looks kind of like Windows 95. It does. But, you know, it it's sensible. It gets the job done. It's familiar. You know, you don't really need to have something pretty to be useful. And this is true. If it's well-designed, it's okay. So, uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I discovered that I had released 2.0 after I had finished uh, using Wireshark, what I meant to use it for. Ah, so you actually missed out on using the newer version. Yes. But I appreciate it nonetheless. There you go. Handy tool. So, um, you might remember me talking about Let's Encrypt uh, earlier this year. Yes, that was the place that was going to give away free certificates so that everyone could encrypt their website so the entire internet could be encrypted. Yes. So, uh, it uh, entered open beta, I think, maybe a month ago. So, uh, I finally found some time, or at least, I don't know, like I got thinking about it and it bugged me enough that uh, I actually, you know, wanted to figure out how in the world do I use this to get my blog encrypted. So, uh, yeah, it uh, only took maybe about three hours in total, but uh, I actually got it. Um, I didn't exactly run into any kind of big problems. It's just, you know, reading documentation and figuring out what in the world I'm supposed to do. Um, so, yeah, I finally got it going in the uh, green lock next to uh, my URL, uh, at least my blog's URL, looks kind of pretty, don't you think? It does. And three hours doesn't sound too bad time-wise. So I just said random thought. So I wonder... Your certificate was probably installed installed on your web server, or could it yes. be installed in something like WordPress automatically and injected? Um, I believe Let's Encrypt probably has a client for WordPress, but um, so uh, you know, I downloaded the official Python client, and uh, you know, sort of, you know, it's you know, let like the service, the client is still in beta. So even if you want to run let's encrypt dash auto dash dash help, you need to run it as root and it needs to install a whole bunch of things first in order to give you the stupid help for the client. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, you know, I eventually got over, you know, the idiocy of this <laughs> and, uh, you know, read it and... There is apparently uh, like an autom- automation file that you can write that you know will you know punch in like the uh, domains that you want for the certificate, 
and uh, like your email address mm -hmm. and like maybe a one or two other things that you know it can handle automatically, uh, along with your uh, like specified uh, method of uh, I don't know authentication, but at least proof that you own this domain. So what was the proof that you own? Do they like, like with say, I'm thinking Google ads, you know, you can put an HTML file on a site and then they hit that HTML file to verify that it's there. Is it something like that? That's pretty much exactly what it is. So it can either run it, its own uh, Python web server, like in the client itself, or it can piggyback off of Apache. Okay. So, uh, you know, because I don't have Apache, I decided, you know, just run the web server in yourself. Um, so, uh, like I actually needed to direct port 80 from my, uh, router to port 80 on my, uh, on my server, because right now my, uh, router directs port 80 to some other port, so I don't need to run my proper web server as root. Whereas their web server was yes. commonly running on 80, since that's just what everyone assumes. Yeah. So, uh... Like, I might actually have to modify this client in order to use the uh, the redirected ports so I don't have to uh, change my router configuration every time I want to uh, get a new certificate. I think it's kind of annoying to have to change it all the time. Yes, because uh, as a fun fact, uh, Let's Encrypt certificates only last you 90 days. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, compared to, like, most normal uh, SSL certificates they will last you for like a year or two. So does that mean then you're going to have to go through the whole process every time? Or is there some automated way that it can be streamlined? Uh, hopefully I'll get it to be streamlined. Uh, so uh, I actually have the SSL labs, or at least I think it was like the Qualys SSL test uh, for my web server. And uh, like it spits out like all this detailed stuff about your encryption setup. Among those, it'll show you when your certificate is valid. And mine will be valid until Monday, March 14th, 2016, at like 30 minutes past midnight UTC, which I think would be more like 8 o'clock or so on the uh, 13th of March. So I wonder what the rationale is of having expired quickly. I wonder if it's like if it's stolen or something, then it's not as much time. That's, that's the idea of like SSL certificate... Uh, validation dates anyway uh, like the idea is because this is all automated like there's no one looking closely at everything so like if some if something goes wrong well it can really only go wrong for three months so uh, like if you know that's at some point I guess that's a reasonable compromise yes. to have an automated service um, so I guess at some point like I'll add another option to my server startup script that you know has like renew certificate there you um, go because i actually have saved the commands that i used um so hopefully uh like i'll figure out how to use that configuration file uh with the let's encrypt client that's been modified to use the redirected ports <laughs> um so i can just like you know run a simple you command and be done with it, it out yeah um, that should work good. Because when I initially run it, I wrote out that little automation script, mm -hmm. but it prompted me for all those values anyway. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't actually look for that file automatically. <laughs> you <laughs> actually have to pass that. in, okay, look for the automation file. It's this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I needed to run uh, 
another open SSL command to uh, convert uh, the certificate file over to a PKCS12 uh, format that combines the uh, certificate chain, my domain certificate, and the private key into one file. And then with that, I can shove it into a Java key store. Your screen Thank keeps you. <laughs> your screen keeps going dim. Uh, shove all of that stuff into a Java key store, and that sits on my uh, my web server's path. So it'll look at that and realize, oh, uh, there's a key store here, which you know it'll do anyway without having SSL configured on it. And I told it that. You know, for my blog, there is a certificate here uh, and like a whole bunch of other stuff that's under the alias theandrewbailey.com for this. And then it'll pick that up and uh, run with it. So I wonder from a commercial standpoint, I'm not sure what it costs to get a certificate. I wonder if they're going to be competitors to existing certificate certificate authorities, any? Um, Actually, not really, because there are... You know, believe it or not, there are SSL certificates, then there are a few kinds of uh, certificates. Uh, these uh, that are being given out for free are the simplest domain-validated uh, certificates. So in other words, it just checks to make sure that, you know, the person on the other end actually has this domain. Uh, then there are, I think it's like organization validation, which like verifies that you are a real person. So that costs a little bit more. And then there are extended validation certificates that, you know, stuff like banks and really important companies use that I think cost like maybe upwards of like two to $500 a year or so, because like an actual person actually has to research your company to make sure that oh, wow. you are a legit organization and that you're not trying to impersonate anyone. And those certificates are the ones that actually show like the company name yes. up in the URL bar next to the green lock. Okay. So, you know, in other words, PayPal are the only people who can run paypal.com. Yes. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I actually, you know, I have those, uh, that OpenSSL and Java key store command saved. So, like, putting into a script should not be that hard. It doesn't sound like it. Um, so I sort of, uh, you know, even with a self-signed certificate, I could sort of set up my, uh, SSL configuration anyway. And, uh, part of that is the, uh, ciphers that are used to actually, you know, technically communicate back and forth. And you really only need two to have like major compatibility across pretty much everything that's reasonable. So, like, pretty much everything that's not running on XP. <laughs> so, and it uh, uses uh, forward secrecy, which is uh, pretty interesting in that the session key that is being used is not stored anywhere. And even if the private key gets leaked, all communication is still secure. So, forward secrecy, so I'm trying to think how that would work. That means it's probably not reusing that key then? Is that how it works? I'm not exactly sure how, but it seems that the client and server both derive some number uh, from, like, the agreed-upon handshake mm -hmm. such that it is not recoverable afterwards. It's really weird and mysterious. Sort of like how uh, RSA encryption, sort of like how 
uh, I looked at RSA encryption, you know, like the very concept that you have a number mm-hmm. and then you have this other related number that you give to everyone else and everyone else can use that one number that only you can read with the other one. Yes. That encryption feels like magic. I, I really like yeah, the that, math for things like that. Yeah, that that is just straight up voodoo. Yes. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I have successfully set this up. And uh, if you run a web server, I highly encourage you to uh, get some HTTPS on that thing. And uh, this is a way to do it. And it works. Works very nice. So I like I like when things turn up green. Yes, green is good, especially in unit tests and things like that. Oh, we missed the spoosh goose. It says something about mistaken something. What? Mistaken industries have diminished the for have diminished forward. <laughs> it wasn't goose or spruce. There you go. Oh yeah. I for some reason I say goose because of that airplane thing. When I see that, that's I think of the spruce goose. <laughs> Yeah, um, haven't really touched my website code in a long time, but uh, you know maybe now that uh, you know with reduced uh, how should I say reduced uses of my time that I can devote to you know more activities like actually writing my blog because uh, like I've maybe written about eight posts this year. <laughs> hey, I haven't written many posts in quite a while, and I went hunting and should have been writing posts too. So let's see when last time my post was. <laughs> it would have been a while ago. Probably since I got that gun. Oh, yeah. September 15th. So apparently I haven't blogged in a while. Well, either. that's sooner than uh, my last post, Yours which was September 1st. First. Okay, so I'm beating you by 24 days. <laughs> so, uh... Uh, we don't have any uh, feedback from the last couple episodes, but if you would like to feed us back, okay, that might have come out wrong, you can do so at the nexus.tv. So don't, do not forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so do not forget to back up your private keys and your certificates and stuff and encrypt them on your backup. Oh, speaking of backup, I got a new router the other day. And apparently it has USB ports on it that I plugged my external hard drive into, and now I'm using that as kind of a very slow network-attached storage. <laughs> apparently it's not as fast as they would have you believe it is. Yes. So, um, let's see. As said, uh, I'll be going back uh, across two state lines uh, for Christmas. So, uh, hi, Mom. How you doing? So, uh uh, let's see. Yep, so Fallout, uh, Star Citizen, Web Server, uh, yeah, Certificates. Yeah, that seems to be mostly it. And, um, yeah, I mentioned on my phone that uh, turns out that having a 4G data connection on, even when you're not using the phone, really eats the battery. So, uh, yeah, I must remember to turn that off after I do my subway survey. It's just tricksy, tricksy Google watching every place you go. Indeed it is. So, um, you know, well, I guess, uh, what are you thankful for this year? Like, are there any significant things since uh, this will likely be the last Control Structure episode for 2015? So, has there been anything big happen? Let's see. Big things happen. Like, 
for like the past year? The past year. Well, I've got two deer. That's relatively big. Yeah. Seven point buck. Should be on my blog. That way I could show it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I can't. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I officially dropped my apartment back in July. I officially got rid of it and uh, full-time stay-at-home yeah. working thing. I was thinking that that might have happened last year, but... It, uh... it kind of happened last year, but I still had the apartment and was keeping it for no apparent reason other than the fact that I wanted to have it and wasn't quite sure when to get rid of it slash how to get rid of it. <laughs> and so finally things happened so that I could get rid of it. Yeah, so uh, now uh, you're, you know, the time you spend down here can be charged to the company. Yep, they uh, put me up at least for the night there, night before work and stuff, so that uh, gives me a landing landing place Yep, before I work. Yep, uh, let's see, and then for things that, uh, for this year, I uh, went over to Germany that one time. Yes, that one time. Yes, and... Uh, uh, along with that, I uh, brought my really fancy camera that I bought in, like, January or February. So, um, apparently, when you're the only person in the church that has a really nice camera, that makes you the church photographer. Which might initially sound bad, but I've been the projectionist for the last three years. So, I'm very happy for the uh, job transition and uh, the ability to pawn off projectionist responsibilities to someone else there you go it's always for me learning and doing new stuff is more fun than just doing the same thing then after you get it figured out it's like someone else can do that now so um i was about to say you know i got you know external hard drives you know like new ones for backups but i think that might have been last year um let's see i believe it was this year that i got a new router Hey, I got a new router too, just like when last week they yeah. set it up. So uh, I put OpenWRT on that. So uh, yeah, it's very customizable. And uh, let's see, I think it was like sometime last week that I was having some network issues. And like, so I unplugged it, then plugged it back in, still us having it. So I unplugged it for like 15 minutes, plugged it back in. Then I realized that it was just Windows being mad. <laughs> See, it would be a Windows just uh, messing things up. Um, so, yeah. Uh, things to look forward to. Um, it was uh, on Friday that uh, I came into work, uh, and my laptop slowly did not boot. Uh, so, like, I actually had a meeting to run to, so Windows decided to repair itself. It was successful. That was very impressive when you told me that it successfully successfully repaired itself i was incredibly impressed and this was not the first time that that's happened like it'll happen like maybe about once every two months or so that it'll decide it'll decide to not boot but uh yeah and my uh my ceo has said that i've been next in line for a laptop upgrade so it's been kind of depressing over the last year and a half, two years, to see everyone else get new laptops. <laughs> You're next in line. <laughs> and, like, the last one that got upgraded was my manager, and that was, I don't know, like, eight months ago. And my CEO told me this about 12 months ago. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Which is really depressing, when <laughs> apparently I'm not next in line. <laughs> but if I recall, his old one actually had problems, so... 
Uh, I messaged my CEO and said that I almost could not boot this morning. How's my new laptop coming? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, well, I guess it's time. Uh, Which, you know, now that I think about it, it's the end of the year. So they're probably like figuring out budgets and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was able to slip in like a twelve to $1,300 laptop with a solid state drive. Very nice. The so, solid state drives are pretty nice. Which I believe will be a first for the office. So, like, I'll actually have to demonstrate to my managers that, yes, this is actually worth it. Look how fast everything loads now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I would not be surprised if this made such an impression that... Every new laptop from now on will have them. Um, the only the only difference or slight problem that I have is like my entire ecosystem has been optimized for 15 and a half inch laptops. And this one is like 17.3. So your desktop has not enough space or? Well, no, my bag might not be big enough to your hold bag, a bag. Okay. So, uh, you know, might be getting a new laptop bag. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's faster. It'll have 16 gigabytes of RAM, uh, 256 gig solid state drive. So I might have to trim down my music collection on there or maybe figure out how to stream it. Well, there you go. You can set up your, your home server and do something cool with that. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, that might be an interesting project to do on the site. Sounds like a very interesting project. So, um, Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything you're looking forward to over the next year? Well, I mean, I've been looking at properties and things like that, so... Oh, yeah, might, you're, you're yeah. looking to buy the farm. Yeah. Apparently farms are expensive, though, so don't know where that one would go. But, <laughs> uh, hey, you can save your money. It doesn't cost anything to look good at property. Real estate agents are really nice and let you look around. <laughs> Just don't tell them how much you have. So, but, uh, uh, yeah. So you know, some of that. You know, with the uh, oil and gas gas rush over, land prices may have actually gone down a little I'm, bit. I'm hoping they go down because, yeah, like you said, the rush. They're just like looking at properties. Like I've seen properties that went for like twenty whatever thousand, and now sell for like two hundred and fifty thousand, <laughs> and other crazy half a million dollar prices. Is like it was not worth that much money ten years ago at all. So I would really hope that maybe prices might come down. So, um, the, uh, Double Tree Hotel that, uh, the church is in, uh, we actually started off there, um, but we moved when, uh, they wanted, I don't know, like $10,000 for a week for vacation Bible school. That's pretty and, crazy. And, uh, you know, rightfully, you know, pastor kind of balked at that. <laughs> so we moved our business elsewhere. Um... So then when we came back, uh, apparently they had rooms for $99 a night, whereas when we left, they were, like, over 200 So, yeah, apparently the mass exodus of, like, the Texas oil people have really brought prices down. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference. So, yeah. Um, and uh, I, I have a friend that I've actually kept in contact with for my very first job here in Pittsburgh that he owns like two or three rental properties and he you know mentioned you know back when he bought them you know real estate is really hot right now because of all the oil and gas people so I wonder what's happened since because I haven't talked to him for a few months so (coughs) so well with that um, 
I believe that's it for us, so have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you.